Now, more cars, trucks, and bucks on TalkZone.com with your host, Rick Popley. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we're talking today about whether it's a good idea to buy a new or redesigned vehicle in its first year on the market when owners typically experience more problems. Joining me now is Jeff Bartlett, Deputy Auto Editor of Consumer Reports, the highly respected organization that rates cars and numerous other products based on performance, reliability, and other factors. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Hi, Rick. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate you joining us. And, uh, Jeff, what advice does Consumer Reports offer to consumers who might be thinking about buying a redesigned or all-new vehicle in its first year? Well, there can certainly be a temptation to be the first in your block with a new car, but it's been quite clear from our research that first-year models naturally tend to have higher reliability risks. Uh, we would encourage anyone looking to buy a car to make sure they're shopping more with their brain than their heart and to take the time to do the research. Sometimes that might mean waiting until there is enough information available to make an informed decision, whether it's on reliability or even on uh, safety uh, performance. How, does, how do you survey readers and how do you compile this, uh, this reliability? Well, to understand how cars are performing and predict their future performance, Consumer Reports reaches out to its 7 million subscribers each year and asks a series of very targeted objective questions to find out what experiences they had that were true problems. Now, with reliability, this isn't an opinion survey. We're not asking if they're happy with it, at least for this survey. We're asking, did you have a problem in the last 12 months that you had to go back to the dealership and have something fixed? And if so, what was it? We asked that across 17 different areas of the vehicle, and then we collect more specific details to see if there's specific trends that emerge. From this, we're then able to predict how the vehicle will perform in the future using the last three years of performance as a guide when available. And how do first-year models tend to fare in these surveys? Well, just like most things in life, there are some good ones and there are not so good ones. <laughs> Generally, what we find is there are greater risks but those risks vary widely. Uh, for instance, if you take a look at the brands that performed best in our reliability survey last year, brands like Scion, Toyota, Lexus, Mazda, Subaru, Honda, with these brands, the spectrum of best to worst all falls at above average. So from those automakers, at least recently, pretty good risk if you're buy a first-year model. Chances are, worst-case scenario, it's about average. But with most every other brand, the spectrum is either a little wider or tips below the average uh, level. So there are some certain risks there. Now, when uh, Consumer Reports test vehicles, you make a point, I believe, of going out and buying first-year models. You want to be early adopters so you can tell your readers what this new model is like, correct? That's right, and, and and just by the way you're asking that, there are certain downsides to us uh, for doing that because we certainly experience a, a wide spectrum of interesting problems, but those problems do not impact the reliability ratings at all. We don't take our own survey. We're only asking uh, owners. What, what kind of problems you say uh, <laughs> you, you do uh, experience? Uh, 
uh, opened a can of worms there. <laughs> um, in, in general, uh, we experienced some of the same things that uh, rise up in the survey. Um, for instance, the first couple years of a uh, redesign, many of the problems tend to be what we call are hardware related. Uh, you know, hinges, switches, things that you literally touch. Mm-hmm. And we, we experienced some of those too. But we've had, en- you know, m- major engine problems in some cars, uh, as well as some minor little niggles. But, you know, that is the risk we take for the readers by buying cars, usually in the first or second week they're on the market. But, like I said, that doesn't impact uh, the testing or the reliability survey. It just keeps our poor guys in the shop busy uh, running back and forth to the dealer. I see. Most vehicles are on a uh, five-year product cycle. Do they get better by the second or third year? Yeah, our data shows that that's the trend, and it makes a lot of sense because manufacturers you know, naturally want to improve their product, cut down on the cost for uh, warranty repairs and you know, any risks of recalls for sure. So it's only natural that they get a little bit better over time. The factories get a little bit more efficient. Mm-hmm. The Suppliers tend to get a little bit better at manufacturing more complex uh, component sets. So it, it is natural that cars improve to the point where uh, usually the last model year of a, a given design tends to be the most reliable. And that's when the prices tend to be lower because of rebates, and that's when people have less interest in buying it, right? Right, which is what's driving those rebates and you know, naturally, from a buying standpoint, you'd always be interested in what's coming up next. Right. Sometimes it's hard to uh, have your own lifestyle needs uh, fall in line with uh, the product cycle of the models you're looking at. Okay. Let me throw out uh, something here is that uh, three in three recent model years, uh, there have been new um, compact sedans put on sale. Ford Focus, Honda Civic. Nissan Sentra. Okay. If I'm not mistaken, Consumer Reports found fault with all three. Well, we look at cars from multiple perspectives. Mm -hmm. From some perspectives, yes, and from others, not as much. Uh, For instance, we'll start with the Ford. The Focus, we're pretty impressed with. Mm -hmm. It does well in our tests. We like it at the track, but it certainly had some teething problems um, Mm -hmm. in the first year which points to how important it is for consumers to do a full breadth of research, not just go based on a sound bite or a recommendation from a neighbor. You know, they may have heard, the focus is great, or maybe they heard, oops, it's got problems. You really got to understand the full picture, which in this case is, well, it had some problems, but it's not so bad now. So um, it's important to look across the board. Mm -hmm. With the Civic, for instance, um, Honda's got a great reputation for reliability, but we didn't think the Civic performed well uh, in its first model year of the current generation. Honda listened to us and to uh, consumer feedback, and they made a variety of improvements that have made the car better. They made significant improvements for 2013. I mean, they, they redid uh, the brakes, the suspension, the interior. Structure. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was quite comprehensive, and uh, one would have to guess that uh, that wasn't part of uh, the uh, the profit plan for that <laughs> model to, to make so many significant updates in a short period of time. Right, and then there's the Sentra, which uh, I don't think you regarded very highly. 
The Accenture hasn't uh, impressed us. Um, you know, again, you need to dig in and uh, fully understand the the complete picture and see if it's what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. With, with some cars, maybe it's not the best in the class, but it, right. it t- tickles your hot spots in, in other ways. As long as you're informed, we're we're happy. Right. The the Sentra is extremely roomy for a compact. You know, you have to give it that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, and I mean, the point is, every car has its virtues. Right. Um, but it's uh, rare that one, you know, it hits top marks all the way across the board. Right. The one thing that, or one of the things that those three cars have in common is that the manufacturers have gone back and redone certain things on each one of them. Ford with the, the dual-clutch automatic transmission on the Focus, all those changes we talked about with the Civic, and for 2014, Nissan's going to reprogram the continuously variable automatic transmission and make some suspension changes. Which is certain to make a, a real difference with it. We know they can do these right. well. Uh, I'm sure if they apply the learnings from other models, that they'll make significant improvements. Boy, I, it makes me uh, think that if I had bought one of those first-year models, I wish I'd waited. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but you know, sometimes things can go in the other direction, too. Mm-hmm. Um, one example comes to mind is um, Subaru with the the Legacy and Outback. You know, great vehicles, got surprisingly good gas mileage, nice package overall. But suspension refinements that have been made recently actually detract from the driving experience, uh, in our opinion. Ah. So, you know, it's natural to presume continued improvement, but that improvement may differ from what you perceive as improvement. I see. You uh, uh, you've already tested several 2014 models. Yes, and and among those I know is the Impala, which you rated very highly. But do uh, you re- do you recommend the Impala? Well, the, the Impala performed fantastic in our tests. Uh, absolutely shames uh, many upscale and luxury cars for, for what it offers, especially for the money. But we don't yet recommend it based on reliability. Uh, when a car changes dramatically, uh, we're not able to uh, carry forward the reliability rating. Meaning, in other examples where a car didn't change so much and had a great track record, we could reasonably assume uh, that it would do well in the future. What would be an example of that? Um, an example might be uh, something like a the Toyota Camry. I see. Um you, know, you see powertrains carry forward using the same factory. Uh, there's much behind-the-scenes commonality. And the previous Camry was well above average. Safe to assume the current one would be at least average, especially if you dig into the data and look, has there been a time when the Camry wasn't average or higher? Um, so we apply a fair bit of uh, analysis with addressing these new models or redesigns to figure out, can we make a reasonable prediction? I see. If, if we can, we do. If we can't, we we don't. How about uh, uh, the 2014 Subaru Forester or the Mazda 6? How do you rate those, and do you recommend them? Uh, both cars are uh, quite impressive. In fact, the, the Forester continues to you know, kind of gain, I say, accolades or at least brownie points with its uh, safety as well as how right. it's been doing in our tests. 
um, fuel economy is terrific on that. Uh, that's a, a car that we feel very strongly for, really support, and we do recommend it. it the changes year over year were um, not complete. Yeah, it wasn't a complete redesign. Uh, and based on its track record, which is excellent, uh, we feel confident that it will be average or above. Uh, with the Mazda 6, it's a, a vehicle that likewise very efficient, performed well in our tests. Uh, we quite like driving it. Uh, and that's a, a car that we also feel, based on our analysis, should be average or above in reliability. Okay. We have to pause for a break. And when we come back, we'll continue talking with Jeff Bartlett, Deputy Auto Editor of Consumer Reports, about whether you should buy that all-new or redesigned vehicle or wait and cool your heels. Please stay with us. This is Cars, Trucks, and Bucks on TalkZone.com. Back to Rick Popley. Welcome back to Cars, Trucks, and Bucks. My guest today is Jeff Bartlett, Deputy Auto Editor of Consumer Reports. We're talking about why it might be a good idea not to buy a new car or new or redesigned vehicle in its first year. If you have a question or comment, the phone lines are open. You can call us at 888-463-6748. That's 888-GO-FOR-IT. Again, the numbers are 888-463-6748. Jeff, um, Consumer Reports is known as a pretty business-like straightforward uh, organization that really, you know, tests all kinds of products, uh, you know, really puts them to the test. But um, what might some people might not know is that you also have a little fun with these cars out <laughs> on your test track. <laughs> well, we, we try to. I mean, life is about having fun and sharing that. So uh, we certainly take our testing very seriously, but uh, we also have one heck of a playground. Uh, we have a 327-acre facility that we use for testing cars with uh, a wide variety of uh, asphalt surfaces, tracks, road course, and so forth. So uh, we certainly take very serious the break-in, the inspection, and our more than 50 tests. But, yeah, we've been known to spin a tire or two or uh, or have a little fun with video as well. Right. Uh, uh, drifting at a Tesla Model S uh, is, uh, you know, one of the things that we are showing here. Well, you, you, you caught us on that. That was one of the questions that just sitting around talking about, oh, it's quick, it's nice, it's fun, it's fast. Hey, I wonder if it'll drift, or is there some something that might be uh, engineered into it to prevent that? Uh, so well, we had to find out. <laughs> um, well, the uh, you must go through some tires on that test track. Oh, we do. Yeah. In fact, um, as part of our tire testing program, we buy more than a thousand tires a year. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we, we, uh, sacrifice uh, quite a bit of, of rubber to uh, help our consumers. <laughs> we've, uh, we've been talking about quality issues with, uh, first year models, but here's uh, another thing I just wanted to bring out, and that's, uh, technical service bulletins. And for people who aren't familiar with those, those are, Notices that manufacturers issue to dealers that say, hey, we've discovered this problem and here's how you fix it. And it could be something with a transmission shift quality or an engine stalling or a minor water leak or air leak. 
or just a squeak or a rattle. But uh, unlike safety recalls, they do not tap the consumer on the shoulder and say, hey, you should bring your car in. The consumer has to uh, bring his car into the dealer and say, hey, I'm having this problem, and maybe the dealer can find it as a technical service bulletin. And what I wanted to show here was that if you look at cars in their first model year after they've been redesigned, I'm showing the Accord, Altima, Cruise, and Sonata. And in the first year, they had more, in some cases a lot more, technical service bulletins issued than in the second year mm-hmm. of that design. And any thoughts on that? I mean, is that something that is reflected in um, reliability or, or not? Well, the those types of technical service bulletins are often addressing little things that uh, have come up ahead of uh, being able to get them into the cars. So as they're building cars, they discover, ooh, there's a little uh, little something we should have done better, uh, and they'll ask the dealerships to make running repairs. Sometimes these are elements that impact reliability, but more often it's a small number of people that have reported a problem the manufacturer has tested and said, yes, it's possible that that problem could exist in another car, and they quickly put a, a fix in. So the probability of experiencing that might be very low. In some cases, of course, might be high. But um, the idea is they're trying to cut it off at the pass, and likely these are all changes that are going to be made uh, in later in the model year or even the following model year. Right. Another reason to wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah. You know, what I find interesting about this is that with uh, how many uh, technical service bulletins there are on software changes for engines and transmissions. Yeah, that's become very common. And it's easy to relate to if you think of how many updates uh, your computer makes right. here. Uh, now that cars are becoming increasingly computerized, uh, particularly with these new infotainment systems, uh, it is natural that There'll be some updates or corrections, or as you you often see as the description for an app update, a bug fix. Right. Um, But the good news is they're able to make these changes. You're not stuck with something that is subpar or not working properly. Yeah, especially an engine. Absolutely. uh, And just uh, my final two cents on this uh, subject is that in the first year, uh, new vehicles uh, generally have small or no sales incentives. You know, there's a initially a low supply and high demand. And when, uh, in that scenario, with high demand, there's no need to discount. So you're probably going to pay top dollar in the first year. Well, and that is further reason to wait for that second year. Uh, you may get a better deal on a better car. Right. Um, does, so much to think about there, sure. Does, does Consumer Reports talk about what it pays to uh, buy the cars you test? Well, uh, we're not shy about listing the sticker price, but we often uh, don't disclose the details of what we negotiate, mm-hmm. in, in part because we're buying these cars soon as they arrive at the dealerships. And it, you know, admittedly, we're, we pay through the nose for some of them. <laughs> you know, we've, we buy 80 cars a year. And we've got tons of real-world advice because we buy them all anonymously. We send staff uh, into dealerships, and they uh, put up a good fight, negotiate best they can. But we are in a weak position because of the timing on most of them, not all of them. Uh, So we tend to just emphasize the sticker price uh, because otherwise 
what the buyer would see, uh, you know, what we paid on day one, isn't going to naturally fit with where they may be two, six, 12 months down the road when they're able to better negotiate because there's more inventory available. Right. There's a uh, Honda dealer near my house that uh, a couple months ago I stopped there. Every Accord on the lot had um, an extra price sticker, $495 for um, splash guards. <laughs> uh, it sounded like it was splashing some profit into the coffers. <laughs> yes, it did. Uh, well, it's certainly something to negotiate hard on, and if if you don't want it and they won't budge, tell them to take it off. Well, that's a good point. Um, okay, so so for um, uh, consumers here, let's just kind of wrap up. What's the uh, the bottom line here? You've seen something like the Ford Fusion, for example, just a great-looking car, and you say, man, I've got to have one of those. First year. What do, well, you t- what do you tell people? It is a good-looking car. Visibility is a little limited, so check that if you're test driving. Um, I would approach with caution, as I would with many vehicles. Ford, in particular, has a tarnished reputation for the reliability of first-year models when introduced. This goes back many years. There's a real pattern there. I would approach with caution. Now that we're quite late in the year, hopefully things are ironed out and nice and smooth. Uh, but 2014 is just around the corner. Right. Um, just uh, uh, very quickly, the uh, uh, Ford C-Max hybrid fuel economy yeah. issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Consumer Reports helped bring that you know, to, uh, to the fore on that. Is that something you think we're going to see more of where – uh, if, if consumers aren't getting the fuel economy they expect, they're going to squawk about it? Well, I don't think we'll see more of it from Ford. <laughs> I, I think they learned a little lesson there. Uh, but I think in general, uh, consumers of all kinds are able to better communicate their experiences thanks to the Internet and social media. So when there is a problem of, of any kind, it's definitely going to come to the forefront. Uh, fuel economy is something that we... Um, test with every vehicle, and we have very stringent standards. So when we were able to uh, see consumers reporting a problem, you know, we did everything we could to, to verify, repeat, and uh, and see what our numbers showed. And the reality is it showed a much greater variance for uh, the C-Max hybrid and the, the Fusion hybrid than with any other car. There was really something there. And now, uh, fortunately, because of the publicity and the pressure, Ford has um, made a revision to the number, so we know it actually got 41 miles per gallon, not 47 as advertised, and they've worked to improve the fuel economy. So the, the consumers, through their voice, ultimately help one another and make the drive the products to be better. Okay. Jeff, thank you so much for uh, being on the show and talking with us about this. My pleasure. All right. Good talking to you. That is about all the time we have today for the premiere episode of Cars, Trucks, and Bucks. I hope you will join us next week when the topic will be clean green machines. My guest will be John Volker, editor of Green Car Reports. John will share the latest news on EVs, including Tesla, hybrids, diesels, and other fuel-efficient vehicles. In the meantime, please visit my website, carstrucksbucks.com, For more information about next week's shows, news, and vehicle reviews, 
Thanks again to today's guests, Mike Van Newkirk of J.D. Power & Associates and Jeff Bartlett of Consumer Reports. And thanks to you for listening. Until next week, please drive safely and watch out for the other guy. So long, everyone. (laughs) 